a snake uncoils, unbidden by its own mind. Elsewhere, a flock of birds are wrenched out of the sky. Predators of Ranta, wrathful and hungry, fall silent all at once. And altogether, these beasts begin to move in the same direction. Quiet, focused, purposeful. The feral soul is on the hunt. Elderblade Productions. This is Echoes of Exeser. Season 3, Episode 11. The Feral Soul. on the beach that night. So many old faces. Eyes I thought I'd never look into again. I sat by a roaring campfire that evening, scarcely able to process them all. The most surprising face, of course, was the first to greet me. Quinn Sullivan, master inventor and my only remaining connection to the Ebon Mist. When she first reached the shore an hour prior, it felt like I was finally home again. It was like going through a mist door, a transportation to a world I thought I'd left behind forever. Wordlessly, we embraced. Let the sea and the jungle and the voices of sailors echo into nothing. After we separated, though, a wall of silence sprang up between us. I had so much to say to her, and her to me, it seemed. Words scared us, I think. It was as though one phrase would send us both plummeting into each other's stories for hours. No time for that yet. Others needed help disembarking the Maroon Lagoon. And there was still so much to be done before nightfall to set up and secure the campsite. We set to work helping the crew. The Maroon Lagoon, the flagship of the Salamanders, idled in the choppy waters of the bay. Those plucky rogues I'd met in Sunscape were next to touch down on shore. Captain Sharna Swift, their fiery human leader. The Draylish dandy Fitzcarl, preoccupied with protecting his gold silk cape from getting sand on it. Obsidian the Urso, black fur drinking up the waning sunlight and the Kikte bard, Merriweather, grinning ear to ear at the promise of fresh adventure. Also joining us on the beach were the Miraculous Four, the friends I risked everything to rescue back in Mira. Doran, the unflappable swordsman. Fionn, the quirky scholar. Stormdreamer, the world-famous performer. And of course, the ever-present thorn in my side, Tosca. After we'd settled down for the night, I introduced everyone to my new kin, the Earthwind Twins. 
Gaz cracked a few jokes about family reunions before sundown forced him to vanish. Igneous took his place, shocking the crew when he clawed his way out from the sand beneath us. Awkward as it was to explain them to the group, it was much easier than our two captives, currently tied up to a nearby stone on the outskirts of our camp. Vostri and Akira. The circle members devoted to Winvarian, god of eternity. No one was sure where to begin. There was a deafening silence amongst the group. The kind that comes when there is simply too much to say at once. For a time, we listened to the fire eat away at the kindling. To the rolling waves, the creak of the deep red galleon on the horizon. The wild chorus of the island beasts beckoning us from beyond the tree line. Your father awaits, they seemed to say. One jarring voice broke the silence, in the subtle yet exacting manner that only its voice could muster. Toast. The campsite burst out into laughter, as Quinn's floating construct fluttered carefree above us all. Well, you heard him, Quinn chuckled. It's, uh... <laughs> Gods, it's good to see you, Von Der. Good to see all of you. I'm sorry, I just didn't know what to say before. Seeing all of you here, after everything that's happened. Quinn, I didn't know whether you were alive or dead. What happened after Mira? How did you all find me? After you disappeared, we did something none of us had ever done before, Tosca smirked. We followed the plan took Quinn and made for the contact you'd set up at the docks. They hit us in fish barrels. Pretty sure I'm still getting the stink out of my clothes, but it worked. Songwake's guards thought we vanished, too, Doran added. Don't know what happened to you that day, but whatever it was seemed to throw them off their game. It was easy for them to believe something just took us away. After things cooled down, we set sail crossed the Aiden's Heart Bay over to Solist, out of the Queen's jurisdiction. We made berth in a sleepy, drailish port town called Kralash. Turns out one of the dock workers there owed Tosca a favor. Is that so? I arched an eyebrow at Tosca. I'm sure it was for something entirely legal. Mm-hmm, Tosca nodded, stuffing her mouth full of bread at that exact moment. Anyway, as soon as we got there, the four helped me find a healer. Fiona had been doing her best to keep me alive, but I was pretty far gone. In and out of a coma for several weeks. Apparently they were... making preparations, I guess, in case I didn't make it. Quinn lost herself for a moment in the fire. Its orange glow made her red hair shine like a blaze. I'll be honest, I'm not quite sure how I made it back myself. I think... I think it's because I had unfinished business. I... I had to find you, Von Der. Her eyes flickered up to meet mine. 
one verdant green, the other made of solid brass. The former glistened as she spoke. You saved us that day. And even though I'd been shot, I think on some level I knew something had happened to you. Something wasn't right. And whatever it was, it had something to do with the mist. Our home. If anyone would be able to figure it out, it would be me. I think that's what brought me back. I couldn't let that be the end of your story. I failed as old. I couldn't fail you too. Quinn, I failed you both. If it weren't for me, you never would have... Stop! The things Songwake put us through were worse. And I share the blame for what happened. I trusted her too. I was an agent of the mist, same as you. We're in this together. Don't shame me further by pretending otherwise. I nodded, feeling an odd mix of embarrassment and reassurance. All right. I apologize. I'm glad you found me, Quinn. But how did you do it? Quinn shot a finger up at Toast. This guy. After I realized your disappearance had something to do with the mist, I figured there must be a way to trace the mist's residual energy. Thing was, so much time had passed, I needed an extremely sensitive instrument to pick it up. But Toast here was practically born and raised in the Ebon Mist. Little scrap ball turned into a bona fide bloodhound. Toast. Toast affirmed, twirling in place. Of course, she needed more than that, Captain Swift chimed in. After all, even with a scent to follow, you could have gone literally anywhere in Exeser. And being a fugitive herself, she needed a formidable crew to help her search while staying hidden. Which is where yours truly came in. Precisely, Fitz bellowed, stepping in front of his captain. When your scarlet-haired tinkerer came to me in Sunscape, begging for help to find her long-lost compatriot, how could I say no? Well, I ordered you to go, so you couldn't, muttered Swift from behind him. As Fitz faltered and sat down, the captain continued. In truth, it may have taken us years to find you, Von Der. But we had one more hunch to go on. Our discussion, right after your fight with the Inquisitor, where you learned of the Isle of Ranta. This is it, isn't it? Her words conjured the memory right before my eyes. Gods, had it really been so long since then? I felt like I'd been on this island for half my life already. But it made sense. Searching for me anywhere would have been like catching a whip eel in a tsunami. Why not start in the one place they knew I'd be headed eventually anyway? Captain Swift's words hung in the air, an obvious invitation. Everyone's eyes were on me. They all wanted to know. Did I find what I was looking for? Behind me, I felt the gaze of my prisoners, Vostri and Akira. Gravel shifted above me as Igneous's head slumped. I stared into the fire, searching for my next words. You shouldn't have come, was all I could manage. In the silence that followed, I tried to expound my thought. 
It was difficult to put my feelings into words. They were haunting, fleeting things, escaping my control. Like knitting a scarf out of gossamer. Eventually I explained it all. How when Varian himself brought me to Ranta to stop my own father from becoming a god. How the Feast of Passions could destroy the Shade and Exesar with it. How Kalian, the child of doorways, was in fact the child of the Veilman himself. A being that was both human and the first luminous fright to exist in over a millennia. We'd hardly noticed the fire going out by the time I'd finished. As Obsidian dropped more kindling, Meriwether rubbed her face. Not going to lie, Vondere, she sighed. Part of me was really hoping you were just on vacation. I'm familiar with this feast. Obsidian intoned, his resonant voice crackling sharper than the hungry flames. I read about it once, and the word vaults back home. The libraries, as you call them. This child you speak of. She will not survive this ritual. I know. That's why we need to get her out. My father's got two of the foci that he needs. Raxos and Ketras. I've got two more with me. The last one is somewhere in the fairy ponds near Sanctuary. No doubt they'll be waiting for me there. As I referenced the foci, my eyes darted towards the rock on the edge of the beach. Vostri and Akira's silhouettes stuck out from the shadowy mass like tentacles. What could they be thinking, seeing all of us like this? The Miraculous Four have fought the Kindred in the past, Storm Dreamer declared boldly. No offense to your father, Vonder, but he is no ellipsis. I dare say we can handle him. He won't be alone, though, chimed Fionn, eyes flitting about in the air as if doing mental calculations. If what Vonder says is true, then all the refugees and frights of Sanctuary will be on his side. They all want to see Winvarian dead as well. His father will have an army. We fought an army in Grinvaldian and won. Besides, these folk are not fighters, yes? Life or death has a way of making fighters, Tosca pointed out. And cult leaders have quite a bit of sway over their flock. Take it from me. There is another matter to consider, Igneous groaned. The city's entrance. There is only one, through the shrine guarded by Ketra's kin. We'll have to get past them first. Even after that, if we storm in together, we will be bottlenecked. Good point, uh, rock guy. Quinn said to the freshly acquainted golem beside her. No matter what, they'll have the numbers and the home field advantage. We need the element of surprise. Why not use them, then? Doran pointed to Vostri and Akira. They remained still on the edge of the campsite, chained and quiet. The sun had faded now, so their features were obscured. But I could feel their silhouettes staring at us through the darkness and the smoke. Doran continued. You said they've got weird powers, yeah? Weird time powers, weird 
voice powers. I don't know, I'm just a simple man, but maybe we could fight fire with fire here. Um, Doran? Fionn tried. I'm a little lost with all this too, but I'm pretty sure they're the bad guys. Bad guys have their uses too, said Tosca, winking at Fionn. Fionn flushed, turning away and investing thoroughly in a small crab in the sand. Doran has a point, I said. The circle was working for Winvarian. My father was the only one who defected. And now he wants to kill their god. The enemy of my enemy, muttered Captain Swift between swigs of ale. I would not trust them, Obsidian growled. Zeal cuts both ways. They will betray us the moment they get a chance. Especially if one of them can see into the future. We cannot prepare for every contingency. Yes, 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 it's all very cloak and dagger, Obi, Fitz scoffed. But, if I may offer a counterpoint, we do find ourselves rather alarmingly impoverished of options. And to echo Doran's point, Fitzcarl waved his hands in the air in a pseudo-mystical fashion. I dare say weird powers like theirs could turn the tides in a fight like this. Ha! Hell yeah, this guy gets it. Doran bumped Fitz's shoulder with his meaty fist. The featherweight pirate tilted sideways and collapsed into the sand. Oh, sorry, buddy. No, no, it's all right. Fitz picked himself up and brushed off his cape with a look of utter disgust. I wanted a new cape anyway. Could be worth a shot, Merriweather said. Besides, I've been dying to ask Vostri about her pipa. I hardly ever get to see one in action. Only you would want to have a jam session with a murderous cultist, Mary, Captain Swift winked. I laughed, standing up from my log. It had been so long. I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed seeing these faces. I could listen to them talk for hours. But time was not on our side. They were right. We owed it to ourselves to try every angle at our disposal. I'll go talk to them, I said. I quit the campfire, stomping through the wet sand towards the stone where the circle members were chained up. They watched me approach, their shaded figures still and stoic as ever. After all this time, they still don't want to show weakness. But as I drew closer, I noticed something was off. They weren't moving at all. Not even a shiver at the cool breeze. I picked up my pace, closing in to get a better look, and ground to a sudden halt as their bodies disintegrated before my eyes. A chittering haze filled my ears as I realized the figures had been composed of thousands of beetles. Slipping out of their bindings, they collapsed into a chitinous pool on the ground, only to reform into two standing homunculi. The beetles' bodies gave the appearance of scales, and there were deep, hollow caverns in the head where the eyes would have been. They stared me down, emotionless. Then, a familiar voice wormed into my mind. I see you, Rowan. 
muscles petrified. Words abandoned me. The warmth and safety I'd felt moments ago, mere yards away, now felt as far away as Mira. The beetle homunculi stared on as their master's voice continued. You're confused, afraid. I understand. Anyone would be. Let's talk this out, father to son. There's nothing to say, I said through grit teeth. I know what you're doing, and I'm going to stop it. The homunculi turned their heads towards the tree line. There, I could see hundreds of flickering eyes in the darkness, primed and ready. You're a fighter, and a damn good one. So are your friends, no doubt. But son, I am the feral soul. I am the jungle. I am Ranta itself. As he spoke, I watched the wild eyes within the tree line close and open in a single fluid wave, perfectly synchronized, as if on command. The hairs on my neck stood. My father's praise felt like pity now, in the face of such power. Come to Sanctuary Ruin, alone. Vostri and Okira are on their way. We can talk there. Maybe even look for the horn together. It felt like when Isolde cornered me in a game of brig and stone. I was trapped, without a single gambit left. My leverage had been stolen. My allies turned into liabilities. No time to plan, talk, or think. It was almost funny. Between my chat with Winvarian and my friend's arrival shortly after, I confess a part of me was overconfident, like our victory was inevitable. Guess that's what happens when you talk with gods too often. You start believing the wind will always be at your back. But gods can err. They can lose. And evidently, they can even die. In that sense, they weren't too different from us after all. What of my friends? I asked. They don't know the island. It will take them days to find us. I won't let my creatures harm them. Unless I have to. The threat pierced my heart. Up until then, I reasoned that my father was simply lost. But the bite of those words, the carnal growl to his voice, more animal than man. I didn't know how this would end. But it seemed peace was drifting further and further into the shadows. Lead the way, I said softly. At my word, the homunculi broke down into a trail of beetles, slinking off into the dark jungle. Like a hundred beckoning lanterns, the beastly eyes withdrew. I followed them to the edge of the trees 
pausing to take one last look at the campsite in the distance. The firelight pulsed like a primal heart, giving warmth to the ones who braved unmapped seas to find me, the keepers of my love, my gratitude, and my guilt. I reached out mentally to Igneous. Come with me. Sink into the ground. Say nothing to the others. It's time to end this. Allow me to pause my story here and speak candidly. The events I describe next will ripple across not just Exeser, but all of Exar itself. They affect not only my own life, but the lives of many others. Over the years since, I've met many such people, their lives inextricably tied to my own. I have requested that, should this chronicle ever be published, that their stories be included as well, should they wish to tell them. What follows is beyond any one voice to capture entirely. To those whose stories follow, and to anyone affected by my own, please know, from the deepest root of my heart, I am sorry for all of it. And I pray to any god Zaken can forge, let there be a light at the end of all this. Day and night I walked with the beasts. They carved a path for me through the island, and we covered in days what should have taken weeks. The Earthwind twins trudged quietly behind me. They understood the gravity of the situation. Every now and again, Gaz would mentally prod me for ideas, for some hope of a plan. Every time, I disappointed him. Eventually, we came across the familiar sight of marshland, streams, and standing stones. The streams led us to the rolling hills and fairy ponds. Shimmering, winged fish leapt across the ponds. Rainbow gems studded in each pool glistened in the morning's light. Atop one hill I saw the shrine, the gateway to sanctuary. Ketra stood guard with her gentlefolk spiders, still in disguise as towering, cloaked bipeds. The rest of the circle stood with her, bound hand and foot. Raxo, Vostri, Akira. As we approached, each of them looked at me with varying shades of disgust and resignation except for Vostri, who remained inscrutable as ever, eyeing me with her trademark curiosity. Finally, the fright leader of Sanctuary, Kumia, stood front and center. The Wula sage wore ceremonial robes with accents of purple and yellow. Cradled in her arms, in blissful sleep, was the child of doorways, Kalian. Of course, 
my father's physical form couldn't join us on this side of the gate. But he was very much present as well. Hello, Rowan. My father's voice rang in my head. It may as well have been a lion's roar after days of silence. I'm so glad you saw reason. My friends are fine, he said, all too reassuring. They're searching the jungle for you as we speak. They won't be hurt, but they'll get nowhere close to here. Not until we're finished. I breathed in slowly. My eyes darted to Ketra. She met my gaze sternly, standing in the center of the shrine. She seemed resolute, the only circle member not in chains. Yet a slight tug at her lower lips suggested a hint of discomfort. Was anything he said about you true? I asked her. Did the circle really force you to bond with your fright? Son, everything I told you... I'm asking her! I snapped, seemingly at nothing. My voice echoed throughout the hills, shattering the peaceful veneer. Well, Ketra, did Kamiya really save you and my father? Or is she in on all this too? Gaz peered up at Kamiya from behind my legs. Kamiya, you... you didn't know, right? You kept us safe. You were supposed to keep us all safe. Ketra held my gaze like a stone statue, unspeaking. Kumia cleared her throat with a subtle croak. I am sorry for the deception, Von Der. Ketra was following my orders. It was a necessary evil. Winvarian's tyranny must be stopped. You don't know what you're doing. Father, all of you, listen to me. I know you hate Winvarian. I'm no fan of him either, trust me. But this isn't the way. You won't be able to handle a child's power. It'll destroy this world and its people just like he wants. And who helped you figure that out? Winvarian? My father growled inside my head. The vengeful god who despises mortals, who wants to torture us for his own gain. No. If the Veilman could become a god... And what happened when he did? The last time someone tried something like this, an entire race went extinct and the world split apart. You really think you'll fare better? You're missing the point, Rowan. For centuries they've played with us, these self-styled gods. Someone has to stop their game. No one, no one will do, do it, it for us. us. We can stop them. We will, Father. But we have to find a better way. Otherwise, we're no better than... A volley of bloody howls and screeches erupted from all around us. Our animal entourage bared their fangs, tusks, and claws, while the outer jungles joined them in unsettling unison. Don't you dare say it. Better than what, Rowan? Some overpowered children? Look at us. Look at what they've done to this world. Countless lives ruined. So many dead. We're taught that the gods are our betters. When this is how they care for their creations? I don't think it's hubris at all to say that I can do better. That we can do better. 
one of my father's horde, a full-grown tiger, stepped forward past Kumia and towards the imprisoned members of the circle. With a hungry, urgent growl, it set its sights on the young Akira. The girl shrank, tears streaming, as the tiger's mouth parted. Vostri struggled against her restraints. No, no, please. Gareth, don't do this. Please, not my granddaughter. Punish me instead. Please. You know what he wants, Kumia stated plainly. She nodded to Ketra, who in turn gestured to one of the gentlefolk. From beneath its greenish-brown cloak, a lone spider leg emerged. Vostri's pipa was in its grasp. The horn. Gareth's focus. Help Von Der find it. And if you play so much as a note out of place. The tiger roared in the girl's face. Akira collapsed, weeping. All right, all right, Vostri yelled. I'll do it, just stop. The tiger backed off a few paces and sat up, eyes fixed on Akira. Kumia closed her eyes and turned from the sight. So you can feel shame after all, I muttered at her. Kumia locked onto me, her voice ice cold. Of course, this applies to you too, Von Der. You know Vostri's power better than anyone. I will not believe that she failed to show you where the horn is. If you lie to us. Her voice trailed off, letting the girl's weeping finish for her. Off to the side, Raxo couldn't help but chuckle to himself. What do you say, friend? He said to me, face full of grim humor. Still think you're the hero? I had no response. Never before had I felt so powerless. I knew how to break out of Vostri's magic, just wait for the rests in her song. But if I did that, a child would die at my hands. After that, my father and Kumia would likely repeat the process, killing my comrades one by one. All I could do was watch as Vostri's hands reached up for the pipa's strings. I saw the same desperation in her eyes as she plucked the first note. The rivers of possibility stretched out in front of me. Once more, I saw dozens, hundreds of diverging futures. In one of them, I searched every inch of the fairy ponds high and low, for days, weeks on end, until I found it, nestled at the bottom of a surprisingly shallow pond, buried under rubble and weeds. I saw myself reaching for the horn, pulling it out of the cool water. It was made from a tusk of some kind, bone white with ornate black etchings around the mouth. As soon as I found the horn, the vision began to fade. Before it did, however, I saw something else. 
something I was not supposed to. It was Ketra. She stood before me, body covered in bloody wounds. Behind her, in slow motion, I saw my father's horde chasing after her. She clutched my hands tight. Revenge and regret hardened her face. She leaned in close and whispered, The ritual. It will not work without... The vision faded, cutting off her final words. I found myself in the present again, stunned. I ravaged my memory, struggling to remember what she said. Without what? Damn it, Ketra, it won't work without what? I was so disoriented. It took me a moment to realize I was soaking wet. Looking down, I saw I was standing in one of the fairy ponds. In my hands was the horn. I looked up at the others near the shrine. Ketra was standing right where she was before, without a hint of expression. A different timeline. Some version of her wanted to tell me something. Deep down, she wants to fight this. I had no time to ponder this, unfortunately. As soon as I came to my senses, I heard my father's voice calling once again. Well done, son. Well done indeed. Now come. The Feast of Passions is upon us. At long last, it is time to kill God. Echoes of Exeser is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects by GarageBand and Freesound.org. Outro song by Brittany Rea. Link in the description. For questions or comments, reach out to me at echoesofxeser at gmail.com. <laughs>